Welcome, Jays fans, to another week of the 1620 The Jays podcast. I'm your host, John Bishop. A little bit later on in today's program, my colleagues Josh Peterson and Connor Happer are going to take a an extensive look at the men's basketball schedule coming up this season. That'll be just a little bit later on here on 1620 The Jays. But we're going to start with volleyball. And last week, the Jays split a pair, beating Kansas State, losing to Rice last week in Houston, Texas. Now the focus turns to the conference schedule and a defense, an eight-time defense of the Big East regular season championship. And the assistant coach for the Blue Jays, Angie oxley Barons, joins us here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. Coach Barons, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, John. Well, you try to learn something after every match. What yeah. is the lesson after falling last week in five to Rice? We are just giving up too many points, uh, letting teams go on runs. So we sat down, all the coaches went through the whole Rice match, and we all concurred that we just give up too many runs, like just unforced errors back to back to back. And Rice is actually a really good team. Like, obviously, they probably don't have the name reputation of, as a lot of Power 5 schools, but Rice is good. They were receiving votes uh, for the top 25. So I think they were uh, 26 at the time that we played them. And a great team. They have a great setter that dishes a ball. They have some athletic uh, middles. And we just couldn't contain them. And honestly, we gave them a lot of points just off of our our errors, which doesn't help. And yeah, and you mentioned the runs. And I can think back to, you know, like the Nebraska match, for example. Really, the the first the first set in that match got away. It was a pretty nip and tuck match up until about midpoint and then another run. And you mentioned, you know, it's sometimes in, in errors in unforced errors. What's how's the easiest way to correct that? Is that more of a mental thing? Is that an alignment thing? How, how, how do you, how do you try to correct something like that? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of both. I would say probably 75% mental uh, more than like what we could do. So a lot of it is just going back to practice and we do a lot of drills where, it's continuous play, but if we make an unforced error, we toss a new ball in and, you know, have that kid try to correct their errors. So it's a lot of just of trying to pay attention to the small details of like errors that you shouldn't be making. And then also like even situations where we need to take more aggressive swings to get kills. We kind of recorrect that in practice and, you know, allow our players the opportunity to, you know, better the ball and um, hopefully terminate well, as I mentioned, the march begins towards uh, a ninth straight Big East regular season championship, and it starts with Georgetown and Villanova this weekend. Yep. Uh, what's something we have to be mindful of? I know the great success uh, that Creighton has had against Georgetown since joining the league, uh, but can you tell us something about the Hoyas and maybe how they maybe have changed since last year? Uh, the Hoyas, um, they are coming in, so – they are at the bottom of the league right now. They haven't had an awesome uh, non-conference schedule, but the Hoyas up to, you know, Marquette, everybody's going to come in and give us their best match. So, you know, all the pressure is on us and these teams that are, you know, bottom half of the league will just come in and, and they have no pressure and they put out their best when they play, when they play us or the top of the uh, teams in the league. And then Villanova comes in later in the weekend, and they've got an all-conference player in 
in Riley Homer, who's on the floor for them, you know, when, especially with with teams, you know, and, and again, Villanova near the bottom of the league. But when you look at teams, especially if they have one particularly really good player, I mean, you have to play them a little more honestly than, you know, maybe some folks who, you know, don't have as much returning talent. Yeah, correct. Uh, Villanova always comes in and puts their best best out for us. I think Josh does, does a great job of scouting us, and he knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And you're right, Riley Homer is a, a legit player that she can take over matches at times. So we just got to make sure that we slow a kid like that down and not let her get too involved. Um, Villanova, Villanova always has like little just other pieces. Their defense is always good. Um, they have hitters that will just go after it and not afraid to, to hit the ball hard. And it's kind of an interesting schedule this year. It's really a lot of, you know, these first four matches will be at home and then it's on the road for four matches right. and it kind of goes back and forth. So the next two matches next week are Butler and Xavier. And speaking of all league players, uh, Jameson Kinley is an all league libero from last year for Butler and Butler's yeah. six and six after non-conference play. Yeah, Butler, Butler, historically, they will drop a few matches in the non-con against teams they shouldn't probably be dropping to but by the time they get to conference play they kind of start clicking they start figuring it out and playing uh, a lot better together so we always get butler when they're when they're playing their best when they figure stuff out and, and xavier they're, yeah they're sorry yeah, their libero their libero is is really good so when we play butler that is one of our focuses like you cannot let the libero get too involved like we cannot serve to her we cannot hit to her so that's always a, a game plan of ours when we play Butler is like keep the ball away from the libero. And, and Xavier might be a little bit of a surprise. I mean, they were picked eighth in the league and they've bounced back. They lost to Purdue mm -hmm. in three straight. And, uh -huh. and the reigning offensive player of the week from this past week, Kerrigan O'Reilly, is, is is having a really good season. Yeah, Xavier Xavier's like one of those sleeper teams that same thing, like they – They'll they'll lose games that they shouldn't lose to, but then they'll they'll beat teams that they probably shouldn't beat. So they're a team always that you have to respect of they're gonna come out and you know do things that are a little atypical of all teams in the big east. They run a different offense, they run a little faster offense, they move a lot of players around. Um so yeah, whenever we play Xavier, we always have to um have our scout side run different patterns just because we're not used to seeing the patterns that that team runs on a consistent basis. Maybe one of the more talented teams in our league has a couple of graduate seniors and that's UConn. Uh, Kennedy yes. Jake Turner is in the middle. Kaylee Parker is an outside hitter mm -hmm. and they handed uh, us one of the two league losses mm -hmm. last year. This is a really talented team who, you know, we always talk about Creighton and Marquette being at the top, but UConn is a legit you know, third wheel yeah. in that conversation. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me of the loss. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, no, I was actually, I was going through the teams the other day. Cause I always like to, you know, see how the teams fared against other teams, the non-con and same thing. UConn is, I think um, they're 500 right now. They've played some tight matches with some really good teams, but yeah, you're absolutely right with those fifth year seniors. Like, they gave us trouble the last time we played them. So uh, fortunately, unfortunately, we uh, get to see them again in a few weeks. And, and it's and it's interesting, too. And granted, we see these fifth year seniors, the covid seniors, if you will, you know, across all sports. But 
you know, when you have the option of going pro in in some of the men's sports, you, maybe you don't see as many, but it seems like in volleyball and, and maybe maybe this is you know an observation that there might be more of these fifth year type players because, you know, just the opportunity to play another season and yeah. and, and work. It, it, it seems like it may have affected volleyball, maybe more so than a lot of other sports. Yeah. And honestly, you'll see it this year. You'll probably see it next year. But kids that are taking their their COVID year and schools that have the opportunity to still give those kids a scholarship, um, they're keeping those kids around. And honestly, it's awesome because they have, you know, four years of experience in the belt and you love those kids to have one more year that can come in and make an impact with your team. So yeah, you'll see a lot of teams that either they stayed on the team or grad transfers. Like we have three, three grad transfers that are, you know, this is their COVID years. So you'll see a lot of those as well when we get into our conference play. Assistant volleyball coach for Creighton, uh, Angie Oxley Barron's joining us here on the 1620, the Jays podcast. Uh, a team that at least out of the shoot has, you know, had some some surprising success considering where they were picked in the league is Providence. They they're off to a nine and three start, or, or actually uh, eight and four start. Eight and, four, uh, and, yeah. Se- and and Seton Hall is nine and three. Both those teams were near the bottom of the league. Uh, do they look a little bit better on this film that you've seen than than maybe a lot of folks expected? Uh yeah, they actually they do look a little better than uh, what I've seen last year. Um, Seton Hall has a new coach, a new head coach, and a new coaching staff. So that always brings new energy to the program. So you'll see you'll see them probably be a little better just because of the excitement of of the newness of having having some change. So uh, Providence, Providence has a few returners from last year. Um, it's every year Providence always gets a little better every time I play them. So it's it's great to see those teams continue to get better and you know making our league better as a whole. Well, not to remind you of losses, but the other league loss last year was to St. John's and and they return an all conference player as well. Uh, How how do they look early in the season? So St. John's has their, I believe they're nine and four right now. And they've beaten a lot of teams that they should be. And they've actually, they've competed against some teams that they Almost beat. They played UNLV, which UNLV is always good. I think they barely lost in four. Um, but they've played some teams that they that they uh, easily easily beat. But St. John's is always an interesting interesting beast in the fact that they always have a lot of foreign players. So they have um, a first team all Big East or right side, a kid six four kid from Italy that always gives us fits when we play her, and they have her back again. And they always, every year, they always have some new, a new pipeline of uh, foreign kids that are always, always hard to play because foreign kids just play, play di- a different style of volleyball, which is fun for us, but it's also frustrating because it's just, they are, yeah, they play a different style of volleyball that it's hard to simulate in our gym. Getting to the last couple of teams in our Big East preview, DePaul was picked third in the league, uh, and and Big East play actually started earlier this week. They lost three straight uh, to Marquette. Marquette. Yeah, uh, but they are off. DePaul, by the record, it looks like they're off to a sluggish start. Do you think, you know, is it still a dangerous team? Is it, Can they turn it around? Uh, they are still a dangerous team. Um, their head coach, I think this is her fourth year. And same thing, like every year, 
every year DePaul gets just a little better every year. And um, yeah, they started off, they played, they played a few tough teams. They played SMU. They went five with SMU. Um, they played Western Kentucky and Northern Kentucky, which are really good teams and lost to them. So they put themselves in a situation where they played a little tougher competition in the non-con and um, lost a few of those games, but DePaul, same thing. Like, I feel like DePaul is kind of like a Butler. Like they, they just get a little better in conference because they start figuring things out. And we would save the best for last. Uh, the best in terms of who Creighton's chief competitor has been the last few years in the Big East. And that's, of course, the Golden Eagles of Marquette. Very strong team. Their only losses to number six, Wisconsin. They also beat the Kentucky team at the beginning of the season to. that we lost to. Uh, and, and and they were very impressive when they came into uh, into Omaha. Does Marquette look even stronger than they were last year? Uh, they do, John. I have watched a few matches um, on TV and also, you know, they're touting that they've, this is their best start since 1997. So I think they're 10 and one, which is a great start to the season. Um, Marquette got a, a transfer setter and also a transfer outside that are really good uh, to my eye test. When I watch them, I'm like, ah, oh, that's some good transfer kids. So, uh, the little setter is a, a kid actually from Iowa, Iowa Western Community College, just uh, next next door to us that Marquette picked up. And then they have an outside um, Hamilton that's a transfer from Notre Dame. And then they have pieces from last year that are getting that got better from last year. So they are definitely going to be great competition and it's going to be a battle between between us when we play them. Coach, one final thing as we wrap things up here on the podcast. Uh, of course, you and, and Kirsten have great experience together. You've been with each other uh, for the entire time uh, at Creighton, but you bring in a couple of first-year coaches, Brian Rosen's on, new on the staff, and Elise Fulcher. Um, how has it been bringing those two together and into the whole process of you know coaching and preparing the team for matches? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you're right, Kirsten and I have been together forever really but you both started when you were eight years old so it's <laughs> yeah so yeah which was weird like you know with your whole that. playing career and kind of wedged into the middle but that's another story yeah exactly <laughs> uh no they've been they've been an awesome addition um brian brings some head coaching experience and he came from a division two school as a head coach at uh nova southeastern and took a team that wasn't very good and took him to the ncaa tournament tournament within two years which is a huge accomplishment and it's hard to do. And we've been in that situation here at the D one level. Um, he brings a lot of, a lot of energy and he's a go, go getter, which, which I like. Kirsten and I always, always joke that we're the old fuddy daddies. Like we're just getting older and we can't relate to players these days, even though that's not the case. Uh, but Brian brings uh, great energy to the gym. Uh, Lise is Lisa's local. So Lise um, has been a club, club coach for premier volleyball. So she's been around the game and actually she's coached at least three of our players. So she has familiarity with our program and also uh, personally with some of our players that she coached. So when we told our players that Elise Fulcher is going to be our volunteer coach, there was a lot of excitement, especially from the players that had her because Elise is a really, really good coach and she can relate. She's a lot younger than Kirsten and I, so she can relate more. <laughs> More to our players than probably we can of like what's hip, what's not. And <laughs> so she can translate. Is that she, what 
you can translate. Yeah, Kirsten, I'll try to say something. We have to filter it through Elise and she can uh, translate to for them to understand what we're trying to say. It's always important, you know, communication. It's the first step in every process. It's communication. But same with uh, as Brian, Elise brings great, great energy to the gym. So it's nice to have two people uh, that just bring fire energy to the gym. And uh, they're super competitive people as well, which is which is fun. We have a lot of uh, we, all, we have a lot of staff office bets. Uh, we're not betting on sports. We bet on just silly things. And if people know, Kirsten's a big Pickleman's fan. So a lot of our bets uh, relate to if we have to buy Kirsten Pickleman's or not. What what's the uh, what's the choice? What's the sandwich? Is there like a regular or a salad? Um, or? She is very plain Jane. So every single day she gets Pickleman's and she'll get uh, pick two turkey cheese plain. And then just turkey and just, just cheese. turkey and just cheese and just bread. And she likes it toasted and she gets a Caesar salad, a chocolate chip cookie and a Coke every single day. Now I respect the no mayo thing. I'm, I'm anti mayo. So oh, I, res- I love my mayo. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, it, I won't get into it. I get in arguments all the time on my radio show. I, I it, people, people think I'm nuts, but, uh, I'll leave it at that. Well, Coach, I really appreciate this preview of the Big East. Good luck this weekend and, of course, throughout the season. Uh, it is, it, it's such an impressive accomplishment to win any league as many years in the row as you guys have. And, and to try to do it a ninth time, I, I can understand what the challenge is going to be because, like you mentioned from the outset, you have a massive target on your back. Oh, yeah. Huge target. Coach Angie oxley Barons joining us here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. Coach, thanks for coming on. Thanks, John, for having me. I appreciate it. Still to come, Josh Peterson and Connor Happer will take you around the men's basketball schedule for 2022-23, arguably the best schedule in Creighton basketball history. But before we do that, it was a landmark week for Creighton golf, especially on the women's side. Catherine Lemke was named the Big East Golfer of the Week. Of course, she is the defending Big East individual champion. She tied for second place with a 220 total at the Kelsey Chug Invitational. But for the Blue Jay team, they won the 10 team event in Eden, Utah. They topped the field by five shots to earn the win. Now, while winning tournament championships is not unusual, this is their third in the last four seasons. This is the first time women's golf won an event with nine or more teams in the field. Since October of 1999. So a great accomplishment for the Creighton women's golf team. They'll be back in action Monday at the Boston College Intercollegiate Tournament in Canton, Massachusetts. For the men, there wasn't a victory, but there was an ace. Junior Sean Campbell had a hole-in-one last week at the Ram Masters Invitational in Fort Collins, Colorado. During the second round on Monday, Campbell used his pitching wedge and aced the 195-yard number nine hole at the Fort Collins Country Club. It was his second career hole-in-one. The Blue Jays finished 14th in the field. They will be back on the course for the Big O Classic in Elkhorn at the club at Indian Creek on October 3rd and 4th. On the pitch, the Creighton women's soccer team came back after an 11-day break to open up Big East play against the Connecticut Huskies, but unfortunately, UConn picks up the win Thursday night at Morrison Stadium, 
two to one. The Jays will be traveling along with the men to the East Coast, where they will take on the Georgetown Hoyas Sunday at noon. On the men's side, they tied UConn in their conference opener last Sunday, 1-1. They will play Saturday at Georgetown, and that game will kick off at 12 o'clock before the Jays' men get a week off before returning to Morrison Stadium on October the 1st. That's a Saturday date against the Villanova Wildcats. And now let's turn things over to my 1620 The Jays podcast co-host, Connor Happer and Josh Peterson. We're going to talk about a little Creighton basketball because I don't know about you, Josh. I start to feel the uh, start to feel the itch, especially when Nebraska football is not going so well. I start to feel the itch really early, and obviously Creighton's got a really good team this year. We got their schedule last week, so we're yeah. gonna, we're going to dive into it. Yeah, I'm dude. I'm excited. It's going to be a whole lot of fun this year. Uh, I, I know that at a certain point in the next couple of minutes, I imagine we'll mention a, a a game being played on Christmas Day, but a team that uh, has a, has a fun, challenging non-conference. And of course, I mean, the thing we're going to be following for months now is going to be the expectations, kind of where they're at ranking wise in the early part of the year, and if they're able to to live up to that. So it, it sets up to be a really fun schedule. And some uh, s- some fun tip times and and maybe even networks for those who are watching on television throughout the the uh, the winter months. Oh, a good question. Where do you think? Uh, let me let me see if I could set the over under. Where do you think they'll start the season ranked? Ooh, man. I, you know, I thought about that at various times in the off season, and I I don't think I've I've settled on a number. So I guess I have to do so now. What about seven? Like if we set it at seven and a half. You think that's like a good kind of line where they could be maybe a, a, a touch above it or a touch below it? Or am I am I underestimating? Am I overestimating how, how high? Because they're going to have Final Four expectations. Right. But I don't know if they're going to be like a top four AP team. Yeah, I think that could be maybe a, a hair high, but I don't know. Because like I, I think they're going to get, when the AP poll comes out, they're going to get some top five votes for sure. I don't mm-hmm. know how much higher than that. But yeah, I mean seven, eight. Nine, I was I was thinking nine, but so we're in the same range. Should we split it and say eight? I think that that's a good number. Let me let me see if I can real quick before we we uh, get into the actual schedule. I'm just I I, I googled uh, power rankings for the season and I I stumbled upon something called busting brackets. Oh my gosh, it's a slideshow. All right, never mind. I guess <laughs> while we look at the schedule, I will slowly go through the slideshow and I'll see if I can finally find Creighton. All right, so we'll go through some bullet points here. I got some stats. It, it, Creighton's played nine seasons now in the Big East, which is crazy, almost insane to think about. Uh, so they've played basically 20 games against all of their conference opponents now. Um, so we'll, I, I have some stats. I'm actually going to... Uh, I'm going to quiz you, Josh, a little bit on how well Ooh. we think they've done against okay. some of their Big East opponents. We'll have that in a second. Um Pretty pretty light runway into the season as we start things off. October 30th is the exhibition, uh, and then St. Thomas to open things up on November 7th. And then all, three three straight home games throughout the next couple weeks. You get North Dakota, Holy Cross, UC Riverside. Before you go to Maui, first time in Maui for Creighton. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Texas Tech, you get you could do Louisville, Arkansas, um, you know, Ohio State, San Diego State, Arizona, Cincinnati, all in that tournament as well. It's going to be so cool. And Josh, they they may be one of, if not the favorite for this, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, the the, the first few games that you mentioned, St. Thomas through UC Riverside, those are going to be those games where obviously the the, the bench is going to see a lot of time. Uh, I imagine we'll see. I mean, here, let's set another over under. If I give you two and a half games where they score 100 points in those first four, are you going to go over or under? Because I feel like those are going to be the games where they they score a lot of points. They win very comfortably. But 
like look i, I don't think anyone's gonna be points. over hundreds yeah of yeah points. so yeah. maybe two out of the four so i'd take yeah. the under that's that's what i was thinking too and i think throughout that that process everyone fans and media are going to be looking ahead to Maui because, you know, you talk about big-time college basketball, men's college basketball, early season tournaments. This is the one that, like, in my youth, it was this and the preseason NIT or whatever they call that, the early season NIT. Those were the ones that I remember caring about. Those are the ones that I remember watching. I always have loved the Maui especially because you usually get, like, ESPN's best announcing crew, so you get, like, the Jay Billises of the world, and they're always wearing, you know, the, the Hawaiian shirts, um, and they're, yeah. and they're having a great time. I love the gym. I love the background and, and you're right, man. Like they're going to be up there with some big or over there with some big time teams and they're going to be one of the favorites to, to win it. And so that should also be a whole lot of fun, especially to coming Thanksgiving week. So you got some afternoon basketball to watch, which is always a blast. Uh, that one should be a whole lot of fun. It's just crazy to think about. So, like, you know, we if you've been a Creighton basketball fan for a long time, it's like, wow, man, they, they got into the Maui Invitational. This is sort of crazy to think about. But not when you actually consider what they've been in college basketball, which is one of the steadiest forces in, in all of college exactly. basketball for over the last, like, decade or so here. And then you think, okay, it's the first time in Maui. Also, they're going to have the target on their back. <laughs> it's one of the yeah. favorites, which is, uh, I mean, that's just crazy to think about. So you jump outside of Maui. Maybe they, you know, get a few wins down there. Maybe they come back with a championship. I don't know if they're, um, you know, there's probably a slip up in there somewhere, probably not in that first stretch of home games, but somewhere in Maui. Uh, Non-con on the road at Texas. Back home for Nebraska, that's two more power conference opponents as well as all of the power conference opponents that you're going to be seeing, uh, the high major opponents that you're going to be seeing in Maui. And then you go to Vegas, and then there's, <laughs> there's two high major opponents there in BYU and Arizona State. And then conference play starts, and that's it. So once you're once UC Riverside, they play UC yep. Riverside on November 17th, they're not going to play any low majors or mid-majors the rest of the year. I, yeah, how about, I, I how guess about that? Yeah, until the tournament. I guess San Diego State would probably count as a quote-unquote mid-major. but Yeah, I, they're, they're certainly a high major, though, with the amount of success that they have had in, in recent vintage. Yeah, it's funny, man. Like, the, the schedule goes from, okay, like, cool, can we get to the good teams, to Oh, hey, the good teams have arrived, yeah. and or at least the name brand teams have arrived, and you're going to see those the rest of the year. I, I think that, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about fun road trips for fans this year, for Creighton fans that, that are able to afford it. Obviously Hawaii, you know, going to Maui is going to be the, the, the one that people talk about the most, but man, a trip to Vegas in mid December, right before the holiday season, that sounds like an absolute blast. And then of course, bringing in, you know, Nebraska, what, what should be a weird, you know, again, rebuilding Nebraska team. And yeah. gosh, the last time that, that Creighton has brought them in, they've either like smoked them in the first half or smoked, smoked them in the second half. So uh, I, I imagine we will see more of the same on December 4th, a Sunday afternoon tilt for Creighton and Nebraska in 2022. Uh, Creighton's won 10 out of the last 11 in that series mm. uh, mm-hmm. and now has taken the all-time lead in the series, 25 to 23. I was looking up the the all-time series last night, so that's when we'll get into this with the uh, with the Big East stuff. So they And by the way, it's almost been four years already since Nebraska won that game in Lincoln, Creighton has a chance to win their fourth in a row again in this series and restart another streak. So yeah, it, I mean, it's it's suddenly what what didn't seem like that was that long ago now suddenly is like oh my gosh, you're talking about like <laughs> you don't really see a whole lot of guys last four years at a college anymore in hoops, but I mean you're talking about a full now recruiting class in theory. Yeah. 
that has not even had a chance to, to beat Creighton. And on the, the other side, obviously, Creighton has had that type of success. And, man, it, it's it's been a house of horrors, of course, when Nebraska has come in uh, to, to what is now CHI. Like, the, the, the one win in, you know, in the last, uh, what, decade plus, that win came at PBA. But, man, when they play in Omaha, Creighton usually gets off to a huge start and they're able to, to, to hold them off throughout. Okay, so conference schedule, obviously the, the first thing that you notice, and I always like to look at the conference, like the weekend home games in conference. Yes. Who are you getting there? That's always a lot of fun, and there's, there's some good ones there. But the first thing you obviously notice, and they announced it a couple weeks ago, um, DePaul is coming to town on Christmas. Christmas is on a Sunday this year. This is going to be right after an NFL game. What, Packers-Dolphins, I think it is? Yeah. On, on Fox on Christmas Day. So that'll be a really good showcase and, and should lead to a pretty big viewership number. You get Saturday home games against Xavier, Saturday home game against Villanova, Saturday home game against UConn, I mean, and, and Saturday home game against Providence, who will be turning over quite a bit this year after you know what they did last year. But, man, the, that I think Creighton got a really nice draw in terms of big games on the schedule, and it's a really fan-friendly schedule for the Big East perspective. You have huge weekend home games that are going to be broadcast for the most part on on network television we'll talk about that in a second yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more man and the one that, that stands out to me the most outside of the Christmas day game that you just mentioned is the Villanova game it's not just a Saturday it's a Saturday night game like mm. I, I think that you know we talk about it so much in football you know how how fun Saturday nights are for atmospheres college basketball man you get a one of those night games on a Saturday it just I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it just kind of seems like it's been a rarity for this program, you know, in the in the last few years. So to get Villanova, I think most of us would agree every year this is going to be the biggest conference home game that Creighton is going to have. And so to get that on a Saturday, awesome on a Saturday at night, even better as a fan. Of course, you can enjoy the day. You can tailgate. You can go to sports bars, whatever it is. You can have a lovely time. And and so for that one to come and that's the first Saturday in, in February, that that should be awesome. That atmosphere should be awesome. I think the Christmas Day game, I think, is such a cool idea. Yeah. When we learned about this, I was pretty jacked for, for you know, just thinking about the Creighton people that are in my life. Uh, you can make an argument, Hap, that uh, outside of the, the, depending on how far they go in the NCAA tournament. I mean, this might be the biggest viewership game of the entire season for them. I Maybe. know that they're going to be going up against another NFL game at the same time. The Rams play in that window, but still, I mean, that is a, a Christmas day a game. So many people are at home looking to watch something. Uh, and so to get that at home too, so the, the Creighton supporters don't even have to travel to Chicago. I think that that's pretty cool. Okay. 20 games against Villanova since Creighton's been in the big East. What do you mm-hmm. think Creighton's record is against Villanova? And is it, this is this is just uh, this regular is, season because they never season. met in the conference tournament, right? Uh, actually, I don't think that they have. There's a whole bunch That's of them. I was, yeah, yeah. They, they. I don't think they have. So just 20 games. I think they're all regular season. Um, what do you think their record is? My guess is eight and 12. You know, they won the first two in uh, in the, in their very first season in the 2013-2014 season, and and they they. I think there was another year where they picked up a couple. Uh, and then I'm going to guess that they picked up four others. So I'll go eight and 12. Six and 14. Oh, wow. I, I overshot it a little bit. Interesting. So Villanova has been ranked in the top 10 in 15 out of the 20 matchups. Wow. When they Incredible. Creighton. Uh, Creighton's been ranked during five of them. And mm-hmm. only one time during uh, when they played Villanova, they were inside the top 10. There has only been one time, and I don't think this year is going to break the streak, there has only been one time in the 20 matchups where these two teams have played as members of the Big East where both teams aren't ranked, and that happened in uh, January of 2019. 
Okay. I was going to ask you what year that was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Villanova, they, they took, I mean, just a tick of a step back, yeah. um, you know, and they weren't, cause like you said, I mean, usually they're a top 10 team, let alone a top 25 I mean, th- team. This is the game of the conference and this, the, yep. the conference clearly thinks that it is their game this year. When, when Creighton or when Villanova comes here, it's on a Saturday. When Creighton goes there, it's on a Saturday. I imagine it'll be in the big arena in downtown Philly too. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's really, really cool. And there's a great history between these two. Um, Okay, a couple more. I, I just I, we'll go through these pretty quickly. Um, twenty-one games against Xavier. What do you think Creighton's record against Xavier is? Oh, I, I feel like that's that's a, around five hundred. I'll say ten and eleven. Ten and eleven is exactly correct. Nice. Yeah, I almost went eleven and ten, but Creighton has had some weird ones against them. You know, like I think you go all the way back to the first year in conference. You know, as they kind of had their swoon late in the regular season. You know, I, I remember them them falling to them. So, yeah, 10, 10 and 11. Interesting. So they're basically right around 500 against everybody with the exception of a couple teams. So they're, they're 11 and 9 against Georgetown, which I thought was pretty surprising. They are 11 and 8 against Marquette. They are 11 and 8 against Butler. They are wow, not- interesting. Real fast, Butler. Yeah. I because I was I was hoping you were going to quiz me on that. I was going to guess like seven and and thirteen or something, the or games? seven and fourteen, just because I, I every time they freaking play in Indianapolis, it's like, yeah. well, this is going to be a low scoring game. It's usually in the afternoon, so the sun is always coming in through the through the windows, and they miss like a million shots. The games got get so weirdly lopsided in that series. So Creighton's yes. won Creighton's won games in that series by 31, 28, 22, 20, 14, and eleven. Butler's won game in that games in that series by 23, 17, 15, 14, and 13. Jeez. So they're always like weirdly blowouts. And there was the one in Omaha that was the 54-52 game last year that was that was wild too. So yeah, eleven and eight against Butler, uh nine and twelve against Providence, nine and ten against Seton Hall, um, and then we did Xavier as well, where they've cleaned up nineteen and one against DePaul. They've oh, only boy. lost to DePaul one time. And they're going to play DePaul on Christmas. They only lost them in 2015. That was Creighton's worst team since they've been. Worst the team, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then 13 and five against St. John's, and uh, Creighton's won the last four by an average of of more than 15 points. So it's it's pretty steady. Creighton's gone through some a little bit of ups and downs, and um, so maybe they maybe they have a chance to you know either even or go ahead in some of those series this year. I thought mm-hmm. that was a pretty fun exercise. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about before we get out of here. Network TV games. Yeah. Okay, so they are currently scheduled for this season to have one, two, three, four, five, six, and then maybe seven. Uh, There's one later in the season against DePaul that could be on Big Fox or FS1. Seven network TV games. That would be the most since Creighton's been keeping track of it. I went back on the last you know, seven or eight schedules and they weren't keeping track of it. The the year Creighton went into the league. I was curious about mm-hmm. that one. Um, but seven times they're on Fox uh, six and they're on big CBS once this year, which is, yeah, and which is, is that cool the first thing. regular season CBS game? Like, I mean, it might I don't be want to end of January. Like, yeah. Like ever. I mean, it's been, a, you know, Rob Anderson would know it, it's been, if it's, if it's happened in the regular season, again, not, you know, like the, the Missouri Valley tournament, of course, always ended on CBS when uh, when Creighton was, you know, finishing up their run in that league. But I mean, that's a I don't know, like may, maybe this makes us sound really old. And I guess you are because you are still the purveyor of cable. Um, but <laughs> when 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 you have games that are on like that network with that music and, you know, they'll have the pre Hey, it's the road to the final four. Like just all of that stuff. Greg Gumbel, you know, hey, because the game's in Omaha, too. So like 
again, maybe maybe this is just me being a little bit sappy, but I think that's cool. Also, that comes the weekend of, of conference championship games in the pros. So you're going to have those on Sunday. So a fun weekend where you'll get that afternoon game on CBS uh, and then the NFL games on Sunday. By the way, I, I, I finally got to the slideshow on bustingbrackets.com. <laughs> ninth. Ninth is where they have okay. the Blue Jays in their preseason. So you you might be right. you Because you said nine, I said seven. We decided to split it at eight. But you might uh, you might end up being correct on that one. Uh, Creighton is over. So since fifteen sixteen, when Creighton's been keeping track of this on their website, Creighton is nine and twelve in network TV games. Nine and twelve. They only All played. Right. They only played two network TV games last year, and they lost both of them. And then six the year before that, when they were you know coming off of the Big East championship, and the season got mm-hmm. canceled the the year before that. So uh, yes, there is. We, we can't contain our excitement, and that's why we're doing this podcast right now. Uh, I'm excited for Creighton basketball to start. Even, you know, we, we got a few weeks left, but people are going to start to feel it here coming up pretty soon when practice starts. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like it's, it's about that time. It's the end of September right now, and you know, so we're, we're a week away from suddenly being a month away from the season. It's like, oh my gosh, it's already arriving. Coming up this weekend and early next week in Creighton Athletics, the women's volleyball team opening up action Friday night, 6.30, first serve at Sokol Arena as they take on the Georgetown Hoyas. On Saturday, men's soccer is at Georgetown for a noon kickoff. The softball continues their fall schedule there at North Iowa Area Community College. That's a 3 p.m. first pitch. On Sunday, softball again in action against Kirkwood Community College, more fall ball. And also the women's soccer team are in Washington, D.C. to take on the Hoyas. That will be a noon kickoff. Volleyball, second match in Big East play. They will have first serve against Villanova at Sokol Arena. That match starts at 1 o'clock. Of course, tickets are available at the Creighton box office or at GoCreighton.com. Women's golf begins the week at the Boston College Intercollegiate. Women's volleyball returns to action on Wednesday, September the 28th at 6.30, again at Sokol Arena against the Xavier Musketeers. Again, tickets are available at GoCreighton.com. And the women's soccer team returns to the pitch on September the 29th, 7 o'clock. They will be in Milwaukee to take on the Marquette Golden Eagles. Women's cross country next week, a meet at Gans Creek Classic. And that's a look around Creighton Athletics and the events to come. Again, for ticket information and schedule information, visit GoCreighton.com. We'll have more of the 1620 The Jays podcast next week. For my colleagues, Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, I'm John Bishop. Thanks again for listening. 1620 The Jays podcast is a presentation of the Creighton University Athletic Department and NRG Media Omaha. Omaha.